0: All right, guys. What's going on? It's almost three o'clock. About to start my first show on Colin. So I'll give everyone a uh, healthy amount of time to pile in <laughs> and we'll get it going soon. I'm just going to share this on Twitter. We got two minutes. We'll start. It might be a very intimate room, as I can imagine the first one around. But that's fine. I think this is a a great concept. I mean, Twitter has spaces, but one of the troubles with spaces
1: is if you hear something, you hear a gem, uh, unless someone's actually
0: transcribing that you know, it's lost in the ether. So for this to be recorded, I think uh, can be obviously of great benefit. So this is my first time using this, by the way. Um,
1: So if anyone wants to uh, call in ask questions, make comments. Uh, this is going to be a completely open room. Uh, I want it to be a completely open discussion. Uh, for those of you that are unfamiliar with who I am, you know I'm also on Twitter. Um, I go by Cantor and Clark. The name, I, I changed it to Ryan Cantor and Clark. Um, I have been uh, trading now for 15 years. Started trading equity derivatives, traded crude oil, And then now primarily trade the crypto markets with most of my focus being on trading uh, Bitcoin intraday. Uh, I've managed my own money, other
0: people's money, um, and now I just manage my own book. But I'd definitely be interested in learning more about, you know, you guys. So by all means, feel free to uh, chime in whenever we get it going. Okay, so I'm just gonna take the first caller before we get into it to make sure that this works. <laughs> hey, what's going on? Hey, is this on?
2: Yes, it's on. Hey Ryan, what's up, man? Uh I appreciate you doing these. Hey, what's up, man? Um yeah, so quick question. Uh and hopefully if the question is kind of um sorry, I've got the aggro going off. Um and hopefully if, if my question is kind <laughs> of uh I guess approaching it from a slightly um, like if there's a better angle for the question to be asked, like feel free to kind of like, you know, decipher what I'm trying to get at. Um, Okay. so basically I've been trading for about a year, new to my account several times, uh, especially going into that like May, June time frame. And now I'm at the point where um, I haven't air quotes made it, but I'm consistently not um, not losing money and, you know, on my good days making money. Um, what I'm having trouble with, and I think with this come with time, but what I feel my biggest weakness is is just kind of getting a feel for like what's going on in the macro. You know, like I can, like if we're in a trending environment or if there's you know just kind of like a standard week where there's not like a CPI report or you know, uh, like a Fed meeting or anything or any you know other macro stuff going on, I'm totally good trading the one hour and scalping and stuff, but um. I'm noticing there's a lot of times where uh, there's just macro stuff that I'm just not keeping track of or I don't know to keep track of, um, especially having no experience, you know, doing any equity stuff um, since I just came into crypto. What would you say um, to someone in my position would be just good things for every trader, no matter what market, to kind of keep an eye on that way you're not getting caught um, caught off balance by any like fundamental stuff? sided, Yeah. yeah okay great um so
1: just because i'm learning how to use this as we're doing this uh you can obviously hear me right now i don't have to press any button to engage my microphone right you could hear me talking <laughs> before i start talking and then uh yeah perfect i'm gonna realize i was
0: talking
2: yeah
1: nothing. okay perfect all right cool so just obviously first things first since we're, we're getting started now um and we just have a few listeners for this one but ideally we'll build this up and and it'll be ultimately exactly what uh what we're gonna go through right now which is hopefully helping you guys and just to just put a disclaimer up obviously the formalities aside none of this is financial advice right we're just more or less you know shooting the shit so to speak um as two people that are market participants so I, i don't want anyone to take what i say from here and immediately you know go mash buy or sell buttons um that being said uh you know you A while back, you know, not until recently in the last, let's say, let's actually say since the March 2020 crash, um, crypto was kind of its own sandbox. So one of the reasons why I primarily started trading crypto was the best way I could put it is, you know, if you're a good poker player and you walk into a poker room um, and you're looking to play for ultimately more or less the same amount of money. And you notice there's one table with really great players and there's one table with sort of, uh, you know, beginners, green players. Uh, ideally, it's probably in your best interest to always play at the easier table, right? Like I said, if, if the piles on the on the, on the table are of more or less equal stack, right? Obviously, equity markets are, tre- you know, tremendous, com- legacy markets in general, tremendous compared to crypto, right? It's still so small. Um, but what I would say is, obviously, in the last 20 months, things have drastically changed. Like, crypto is no longer sort of doing its own thing. It was doing its own thing because it was small, right? It was... Only on a few people's radars. Uh, There there definitely wasn't any kind of major correlation to the macro. Um, If anything, it was more or less enforced by uh, traders that were trading both instruments. But there's a a bunch of other reasons why as well that correlation didn't exist. You know, not just funds, for example, uh, you know, trading it now and not just, you know, different participants. But also because crypto is literally isolated from global markets when it comes to just trading platforms. Right. If you're trading... You know, if you're trading on TD Ameritrade, you could jump from, um, you know, equities to gold to currency. And and all these moves are very easy to do. And and there's really no thing that stands in the way of that. So it's very easy for correlations to exist because everything is trading on sort of the same, uh, ultimately the same platform. It's, It's readily available to to most of retail and obviously any kind of professional. So crypto is very segregated. Um, now it's completely different. So in the past, you didn't really have to have an idea of, let's just say, what the economic calendar was, right, or what the upcoming events are. So, for example, you know, December fifteenth, we have the FOMC meeting. Uh, today we had CPI. In the past, these were like completely irrelevant for a crypto trader, right? Um, you had people that might have been keeping an eye on it, but it was kind of like you only have so much bandwidth to, to you know, uh, to work with anyway. Why take why add extra to it, right? Try to keep the system as simple as possible. Now you definitely have to have an idea of what is taking place on the macro front uh, because what we're seeing is, you know, while a lot of uh, crypto native traders who have best intentions and, and want the best for this asset class, they kind of romanticize it as um, what are some of the earlier narratives and selling points, you know, store value, hedge against inflation. Yeah, you know, we see that kind of spin up And have an effect um but really it's a risk asset right it's it's basically it's a it's like a tech stock on steroids right it's a higher beta uh asset on ultimately you know one it's just a reflection of i think the available liquidity in global markets um and two it's it's a higher beta play on uh equity indices so whether we're talking to you know the s&p or if i'm talking the futures the ES, um the dac it's just a hot it's it is further out the risk curve, and it's it's a higher beta, um, a higher a higher beta play on equities. So you absolutely have to have an idea of what is taking place with regards to equities. Uh, obviously, not all of the sort of idiosyncratic stuff, but anything, you know, for example, anything that anytime Powell decides to turn on his microphone, anytime there is a um, a major presser. Right or FOMC or you know CPI such as today or the other day when we had a hearing that was specifically with regard to crypto. Um, these are things that you you totally have to mark off. But what I will say is like it's not like that you it's not for example that you should be going into um, these events with too much of a bias, right? Because it, with the way things are right now, uh, it's really anybody's guess what is going to take place. Right? I'm sure you know from your short period of time in the market you could see that there's a lot of things that take place that don't make sense. Um, you know, one of the first mm-hmm. things that people learn when they're, when they're getting involved in training in markets is that a lot of stuff is priced in. Right. So, for example, you know, today, CPI 6.8, uh, that is I was expected. That's really high. <laughs> That's not good, but it was consensus. Mm-hmm. Right. So the market actually responded positively initially. Right. So this morning I said something along the lines of, you know, for the first for the first 30 minutes, the market is just going to be trying to throw you off sides. Stick with the trend after that period transpires. Um, as a short-term trader, you, you want to be aware of when these events are. And I like to be flat going into them. And I like, to mark, I like the market to show me its hand, mm-hmm. right? Because it's not – it's ultimately what matters is how reality meets expectations, right? If there is um, – if expectations and reality are hand-in-hand, there's no major disagreement in the market and we don't really see anything come as a result. It's when obviously there are completely different expectations for what the release uh, puts out. I go flat into these regardless uh, as a short-term trader, you don't want to be introducing too many things into your approach either way. Right. Ultimately what you should be focused on is just market driven data in the moment. Um, and what that ultimately means is, is price and volume a lot of the times, Any anything that you're really adding on into that is it might seem like a good idea in that period. But really, like I said, what it does is it you only have a certain amount of bandwidth. Right. Um, And any the best way I could put it. And it's not always this case, because don't get me wrong. There are many times when there are things that, you know, come out of left field and they're, you know, whether they're, um, you know, uh, unforeseen event natural disaster, you know, catalyst that again, pops up out of nowhere. Um, there are, there are times where that occurs where, yeah, you have to respond uh, based on what has occurred after the fact. But a lot of the times the best way I could put it for a short-term trader is what is, and, and primarily for someone like myself, who is, I, I trade order flow um, where I have such a focus on order flow and positioning. What is important is going to show up in the buying and selling that takes place in the market, right in front of me, right, right on the dom, um, right on the, you know, for example, you're looking at Agar. So everything that's important is going to come through that tape, right? The market is going to show you how important a particular event is. So hopefully that was not too long, winded <laughs> or, or elliptical of an answer. Um, this is my uh,
2: first. No, that's column. perfect. But that's as perfect, a, yeah.
1: you know, you said it. So when you're when you're starting off, like you're you're trying to find your place in the market, right? You're wearing different masks. You're trying different approaches. You know. New traders always trying different tools. Um, the good thing that you said was you are—I think you said—you're taking le- less losses, right?
2: So, yeah, I'm—I'm either—I'm um, either not losing any money or on a good day I'm profitable. So, that's yeah, great. like I. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm consistently not <laughs> not dying, as it were, um, and you know still haven't made it yet. But you know I'm, yeah. I'm more consistent with my system. So, like for you know for someone who got wiped out completely in May to you know come back from that, I'm really um, I don't know, I guess you know I'm proud of it. But you know obviously I'll be more no, proud when I've when I've made it. But you know what I mean.
1: That absolutely that you know one of the the best pieces of advice that I'm willing to give to people is focus in the beginning. A lot of people are focused on sort of hitting home runs. Right? They're focused on putting numbers on the board. Uh, if anything, your best the best thing that you can do in the beginning is really try not is to focus on not losing money. Um, and what that might make you do is ultimately be a little gun shy, mm-hmm. but you could work on that. Whereas if you're getting wiped out every time you step into the market, you know, there's a great study on just human behavior in the prefrontal cortex, and every defeat that you have personally, uh, it leaves a, a lasting impact on your psyche. So what you ultimately want to do is try to be as defensive as possible. I think in the beginning, which is tough to do when you're
0: going through a massive bull market like this. And it seems like. Are
2: you still there? I think I cut out. I'm not sure if anyone else can hear
0: you have to be like a
1: bastard about getting rid of getting out of trades that are not working out
0: right when
1: something is not working you have to be willing to cut it and you have to be willing to understand that you are playing the law of large numbers and that no particular trade matters the same way if you're a baseball player it's not like the one time at bat that really matters right it's it's the aggregate of all the times Mm -hmm. that you get up and even then you know just to stay on the top (laughs) topic of baseball if you're a good hitter what does that mean you're batting you know, you're hitting what? One out of three times, right? You're batting 300, 350. And what that means is more often than not, you're not, right? You're not getting on base. So hopefully uh, that was a, uh, a good enough answer for your question. No, that's perfect. Yeah, thanks again, man. It's really helpful. Awesome. And, and feel free to hop in again and, and ask as many questions as you want. This one's probably going to be under an hour, but we're going to do this probably three times a week so that you guys can uh, get something out of it. Thanks, man. Awesome. Thanks take the next caller and uh like i said guys this one is completely open i am uh literally sitting in my backyard watching my dog go after uh ducks on the other side of the fence but we could talk about anything we could talk about uh state of the market the macro the micro um i want this to feel like it's uh you know completely open venue comfortable for everybody whether you are an investor whether you're a trader whether you want to talk um you know what's taking place uh
0: just stay away from politics, actually. I was going to leave that one too open. <laughs> but I'll go ahead and um, I'll take the next caller. Hey, what's up, man? Can you hear me? Yeah, what's up, Brian?
1: What's up, buddy? How are you doing, man? Long time, long time. Last night.
3: Yeah. Hope everything's going good, man. I really like that you're doing these um, lounges here. Um, I was going to ask you if you're ever going to do them on
1: so I'm going to stick to to using this because you know ultimately um seems like a great team they reached out to me you're going to walk, work alongside each other and I think the the benefit of this is you know one thing like I said early on and and it, uh Bang I think you were so for those of you that are not familiar this is a buddy of mine um uh he's a good friend of mine and we're separated by a uh a pretty big distance right now he needs to get out of uh the west coast and come visit me on the east coast but um what I think I like uh, about this, what I know I like about this, is the times that I've been on um, Twitter spaces, let's say I cut out or I had to step out for a second or, or I just heard something good that you know I wasn't able to jot down. Uh, the benefit of calling is that it's stored, right? So ultimately, this will be stored in, in more or less what you would consider podcast format. So if you miss something, if, if you're you know not on time um there'll be a uh, recording that so you could just always go back to and it'll be archived so
3: thank you i was not here to um hear about that um because i had to join i had to create the account and everything but it it seems pretty slick and um you know it seems less but
0: yeah
1: no it's it's very smooth and and you know i'm gonna do like i said i'm gonna try to hop on here three times a week and by all means you want to hop on and and run them with me be cool
3: for sure, man. I also posted that on DigiWood, so
0: thanks, man. I'm gonna go ahead and take the next caller. Andy. So I hope this is going swimmingly.
4: Hey, what's up, Andy? Hey Ryan, thank you so much for doing this. Um I just wanted to uh get of your course. view on uh Bitcoin right now. What what are you looking for as the likely scenario going into next week? Um Obviously, the Fed's meeting is going to be very important. Um, yeah, I just wanted to see like, are you leaning bearish, leaning bullish? Like, like, what are you seeing right now?
1: So with with how the Fed is, right? I don't think that. I think the least likely outcome would be a dovish Fed. Um, I think, if anything, you know, it, it it's great that today was more or less consensus. Um, you know, maybe at least the idea of multiple rate increases next year is off the table and, you know we still might be looking at you know rate increases nevertheless but whether they are very small rate rate increases or, or short-lived um, either way i think that we're looking at a more hawkish fed and like i said um earlier i i don't take positions into these meetings right i just want to see what the market has to say afterwards right and and that's not in the first 5 seconds afterwards obviously there might be some great scalping opportunities uh but you know after more or less the information has been disseminated and and digested um i want to see what the market thinks of of the meeting rather than what my opinion is going into it i can obviously say you know that with a fair degree of confidence that if we have a hawkish fed uh it doesn't bode well for risk assets right obviously right now you know rates are you know ne- we have negative real rates right Um, bonds are completely off the table in terms of being attractive, right? For the last 20 months, if that all changes, everything that's further out on the risk curve suffers. Um, You know, if, if we have a, you know, if we have an announcement of multiple rate cuts, anytime that the market hears anything with regard to rates, not rate cuts, excuse me, rate increases, anything that the market hears, anything with regard to that, uh, even just a hint, you could see that the market is very sensitive. Uh, even when it came to the taper. So the market is the market is basically telling you everything with regards to current conditions. Uh, as I posted this morning, you know, we've seen the top of book deck. So uh, best bid, best ask. If we look at, for example, uh, S&P futures on the CME, or we look at BTC, um, it's definitely thinned out. And I mentioned maybe going on now three weeks that conditions have obviously changed. Markets are thinner uh, this doesn't mean, though, you know, I'm directionally agnostic, right? One thing that has been the case now for the last 20 years is, and, and this is just in general, long-term assets are going to go up. Um, you know, we've had, if you look at the last 50 years, 60 years, and you just look at periods of bull markets compared to bear market periods, you know, they always look, uh very daunting in advance to, to talk about it, um, but by the time everyone's sort of more or less on the same uh, on the same page with where the market is, most of the move is already in the rearview mirror, uh, and bear markets, for example, in equities are much shorter than bull market periods long term, I think that Bitcoin is going to go up um, and I try to keep it as simple as possible. I think for example, I think with a rate increase in the next six months let's say we get our first rate increase in March um, you know f- you know, first things first, December 15th, we're going to have an idea of how the market feels about anything that the Fed says. Um, and I think they're going to be more hawkish. Um, but with a rate increase, we'll see that risk assets suffer, right? Tech stocks, um, any, anything momentum-wise, uh, cryptocurrencies. But I do think we are approaching a period where there is starting to be a big shift since crypto is far more mainstream than it ever has been. You know, cr- Bitcoin trades in line with macro assets. Uh, and I'm just talking about things that trade with response to any kind of, you know, uh, Fed meeting, uh, anything with regards to rates. This is something that crypto, for example, you know, in the past had never done. Um, so if we have rate increases and we have a hawkish Fed, I think it suffers in the short term. But I, I like to keep my long term, and this is not crypto, you know, as a whole. I'm not talking about passively indexing in a basket of cryptos. I'm talking about primarily the leaders um bitcoin and ethereum uh it is a new asset class so i try to keep it as simple as possible it's a new asset class there are no one that we know that's alive has been around to say that they were around during the birth of an asset class so that's one thing right so a new asset class it's going through a lot of you know it's going through a lot of hoops um has to jump through fire occasionally but it's a new asset class so you're even though it's third
4: what's that Yeah, and what's sorry to interrupt you. And what's your view on uh, the strength of Ethereum at the moment?
1: It's tough because you know, for in in terms of the rest of the market, there's a lot of disconnect. So, if Ethereum, you know, after what's looked like uh, the market has reached sort of a tipping point and and is going to what I think go through a period of sideways behavior, Ethereum moving up on its own, I I don't think that it's something that's sustainable. Um, I think that what happens is since this market is so reflexive. Uh, when that narrative sort of takes hold, it's very easy for people to begin to rotate. You know, we see that's more or less the name of the game in crypto the last few months, rotating. It's, people, it's easy for people to rotate out of Bitcoin, out of some weaker pairs and sort of flee to quality in that moment, which is, you know, in that case, Ethereum moving up uh, and becomes self-fulfilling. I don't think it has the, I don't think most of the market right now has the gunpowder to continue to move up. You know, markets need to ultimately sell off before they can move higher. Right? They become, they become heavy, and and that on its own is a different story. If you are, you know, this would be a different story if we have a dovish Fed, um, if we have money printing that's still on the table. But I, th- I think it's, and like I said in the first question that that um, the first, the I can't think of his name. I'm sorry, that he first asked. Um, it is important to understand overall context and what's taking place in in terms of global macro, right? Um, long-term Bitcoin, Ethereum, I think that they're going to be much higher in three years from now. That's a, and that's as simple as I could put it, right? A new asset class. And then that, and you have, when, when baby boomers pass on and they pass on their money to their children, you know, everything is moving to be digitalized. Uh, it's just the progress, the natural sort of chronological progression of things. So I don't see why this. Um, for example, Bitcoin as, as digital gold. I don't see why it doesn't capture more market value. And that this, this right now is only sort of a small amount of penetra- penetration that we're seeing. Because really, that's another thing where people say like, oh, you know, we've been talking about institutions coming. They've been coming forever now. Well, they, they don't have nearly the amount of penetration as they do in global markets. Right, or excuse me, as, you know, it is part of the global markets, but legacy, right? We're talking equities. We're talking, you know, pension funds and long-only funds. They only recently were able to gain exposure to BTC, um, and even now they still are. They're they're not gaining exposure to it in sort of a pure play manner. It's you know,
4: would would it be safe to say that um, uh, you won't be surprised looking at the Fed's uh, monetary policy? And hawkish stance that Bitcoin retests the forty k level. I wouldn't
1: be surprised if it retested forty k next week.
4: Yeah, at, at this point, mm-hmm. you know, uh,
1: the market is ranging, right? So, one of the sort of canaries in the coal mine is, especially with macro, uh, well, on the macro. So this was not a very long deviation from the all time high. But typically, when when an asset recovers its previous all time high, it's usually a pretty positive ev play um so the expected value the outcome of that is usually a positive one in the in the short period of time afterward you know let's say you get in five percent above one percent below it doesn't really matter it's usually a rounding error and prices tend to move up um with conviction after that because when you break an all-time high after a long period under it what you're saying to everybody so every kind of participant is that this is now basically a long right you have people that were sidelines that are position traders or Larger swing traders that are saying "I'm not getting involved until we get back up here. You have lower time frame traders that are trading around that level it's a, It's one of the areas in the market where you could expect the most amount of participation uh, and two you're also saying, hey we're still alive right when you put in an all time high, you have the you know the group of people basically split you know this thing is done this thing is you know this thing is done, and this thing is done temporarily before we break the all time high again when you break an all time high after spending a long period of time under it. And this more so applies to the 20K break than it does now, right? Because 2017 was three years before we broke the all-time high again. And this time we're looking at, you know, going back to May, April period. So it's not like there was a ton of time that passed, but one of the bad signs was obviously breaking the all-time high and not really having any kind of follow-through from it. So we're, the way I like to look at it is I like to get involved with my spot position, so my larger allocations at the extremes. Um, so I would be the person that wants to buy if we were to revisit the low 30s. And it might seem like the worst place to buy, but that is an area where you would get everybody involved. So there would be a ton of liquidity. Um, that or ultimately if we have development around this area, but I don't think we have enough development right now. And the best way I could put it is, you know, we've had a significant move off the highs. So you could take that as a, a couple of different ways. One, that is, you know, we're 30 plus percent off the highs. It might be Plus or minus close to that. Um, we're you know we had moves that were multiple standard deviations in norm in a short amount of time. So you check the few boxes that say hey this might be worth fading in the interim. Meaning you know price nuked a lot already, right? We have to at some point be looking for some type of reversion to the mean or some type of uh, corrective bounce behavior. But after that, you know this was a very big move off of the highs again. It is a failure of the all-time highs. We do have you know in terms of global markets we're in a bit more of a hawkish situation. So after this kind of big move, what I don't expect, absent any kind of major catalyst, and that might be like Apple saying, hey, we're trying to buy as much Bitcoin as possible, or it might be a ton of shorts covering at the bottom, which we don't have a lot of shorts built up. Absent any kind of catalyst, you're not going to have a V reversal. And the best way to put it is, you know, big ships turn slowly. So we just had a very significant move to the downside. Um, It was not only – significant in terms of magnitude, but the amount of time that it's been moving down now, like, it's not like this just happened. We've been moving off the highs now for a little bit. Uh, so you would expect that the consolidation that follows for price find balance uh, would take some time. So we're, you know, we're probably looking at, you know, the best way I could put it is, like, you're probably looking at, if you're trying to get in positions right now, you have time, right? You have probably at least two weeks to make your decision. And even by then, like, that's a silly thing to say, because it might be a month, it might be two months. But at least what I think we'll do is we'll ultimately define a a cleaner range, so that you have some sort of um, more obviously defined structure to go off of. You know, let's say we form a range between 40k and and 50k, and it's it's well defined. And then you have okay, you know, we break 50k at this point, we're going to have a lot of short covering because this has been more or less the channel we've been within. Or if we break 40, yeah, I probably look for a fake out first. But hey, we might be spilling back down to the lows.
4: Those are really good points. It really helped me uh, kind of uh, view the market through your lens. I really appreciate that. No problem.
1: All right. So there we have, we're half hour to this, but we have a, now we have a bunch of people. So I would be happy to uh, take anyone's call. You know, obviously, so this is the first one and literally it's, it's as casual as me sitting outside next to my fire pit with my dog. <laughs> and um, you know, what I want to do is, is have more an agenda for the, um, the future Collins. So we'll have, you know, something to,
0: some topic to, to beat around, right? Okay. We have a couple callers right now. So let me get to you guys. All right. What's going on the Mark.
1: Hey, Mark, what's up, man.
5: Can you hear me? Hello. Hey, how are you? Hey Ron. Hi, thanks good good thanks for calling it yeah thanks for hosting um i followed you on, on twitter for a while and um i was always drawn to your content you shared because i'm a completely different style of trader myself and more of a sort of swing position type player um and i just wanted to, to touch on some of the my concerns with, with crypto at the minute i mean see whenever you look at central banks central banks have been adding huge amounts of gold reserves And retail outflows from gold funds have reached record highs. And all that money at the minute is sitting primarily within risk on assets, crypto, equities. And if you go and refer to the like of the Bitcoin gold chart, at the minute it's looking as if it's double bottoming. So, do you have any opinion on, on where money should be allocated? So I think uh, with rates low, it made
1: sense to go further out the risk curve and seek out yield in anything, right? You know, if if rates are, if we have negative real yields and rates are completely flatlined, um, then getting involved in meme stocks makes sense at that point, right? Whereas if if rates go up. And so this all very, I think, you know, the playbook is largely going to be, and like I said, for, and this is not for the long term because I think long term, what you do is you just need to zoom out um, when it comes to the S and P, whether we're talking about 10.7, you know, percent compound annual growth rate for the last 30 years, or if we're talking about Bitcoin, which is I think is around like 150, so don't quote me, it might be 150 to 200 um, percent, but I think the the Fed ultimately their decision will dictate the next. Yeah, you know, it could be next six to 12 months. Um, And I, I think that Bitcoin is in a different place than, you know, your low cap altcoins. So this conversation obviously would be split up depending on which assets we're talking about. Um, if rates go up, risk assets are going to suffer, you know all of the details with regards to gold reserves and how much capital, it's it's not gonna matter because it's not gonna make as much sense with rates increasing to stay in really risky positions and really risky assets. It only makes a lot of sense when you're sort of searching for yield because there's so much liquidity that you're trying to park it anywhere, right? So I I think um, the most important uh, detail right now is with regards to what the Fed chooses to do. Um, And you could say to some degree, you know, maybe at this point, a certain amount of a rate hike is is priced in, but uh, the reality is that has a material effect on the bond market has a material effect on yields um, and a lot of how the smarter money is going to position and that 's where I think uh, there 's a lot of split where how smart money managers the book now that they 're involved and how sort of crypto Twitter thinks that um, assets are to be managed right now that we have more of a macro Uh, participant presence in crypto, you're going to see things just change period, cyclically, Um, you know, sort of end of the year type of behavior that you see in equities, you'll see in probably see in uh, the larger pairs, you know, specifically BTC, ETH, maybe some others um, as they develop. Um, But yeah, I, I think it all depends on, you know, and I think at least we're close enough to the 15th where we'll have hopefully some more clarity. I think it all depends on the Fed's playbook. And I do think that we're looking at, um, a, a more hawkish Fed right now, but that, that obviously that can all change. You know, it's
5: yeah. So, you, so my, my 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 opinion. I mean, the outcome of BTC is binary. So it's either going to succeed or it's going to fail. And yeah. the consensus at the minute, probably with the price, is that it's made it and it, it's going to succeed. Yeah, and I think people have have pretty much um, written off the fact that that's still a potential that it may not. Um, and for me smart money entered the market so I mean we had it we had a dip down to, to what three three K. We consolidated you know around what nine, ten K before the breakout. And smart money had entered at that point. Yeah. I mean we've made a move of a twenty-three time multiple inside twenty months, which is yeah. a huge, a huge multiple. We went from three K to what sixty nine. Yeah. So there has been a lot of institutional money that has probably been involved at that point that you don't hear of that has also been been exiting in my opinion at this point and when you look at the the market structure on on btc's chart you've got potentially a macro double top in play um and a move down to 40k is definitely on the table potentially and if we hit 30k then which, which needs to be considered as a possibility, and we break below it. You know, w- what happens at that point? Because the market is in real trouble. Yeah, you know, Bitcoin could very well trade more like a
1: commodity and you have these really long ranges over decades. <laughs> but, um, you know, smart money got involved lower. And that's one thing also that I think a lot of people don't understand. Smart money is not just like buying in and, and winging it and, and not rebalancing, right? That's one thing, like... Smart money is great because you're talking about a much larger stack, right? So for them to just passively throw 1% at Bitcoin has a material effect on this small market. But that being said, you know, if they are returning, let's just say like a 3 or 4x, um, which we've returned in excess of that, they're going to take profit, right? Um, but I I think that, you know, to, to get back to what you said about Bitcoin making it, I think it has made it. Um, and I think that it's just going to. But I think it it has made it in the sense that it's not going anywhere. Um, it has enough penetration, I think, to say that. And there's a and the one benefit that it does have is that you do have people that are so headstrong about the narrative that they are not willing to sell it. Um, whereas you can't really say that with a lot of other higher beta assets. The religion aspect of crypto, in a way, helps it because there are people that are willing to sort of die on that hill.
5: Um, yeah, you, 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 I don't know. I think my opinion is there's still a huge regulatory risk with Bitcoin because it hasn't, in a sense, been approved by by central banks. So I'm from Ireland, um, yeah, part of the UK, uh, and I mean it's been you cannot invest in here. You, you cannot you cannot get exposure to crypto in an ISA, which is similar to an IRA, I think. Where yeah. you guys are from the pension so that hasn't been approved and you know until until that is approved i think they got that's a real risk that people have to consider if they have a lot of exposure to btc oh 100
1: percent. yeah and that's people sort of t- especially people that are, this is their first market they kind of take that for granted that that's actually built into the risk premium that's why you, that's These returns don't come for free, right? For example, the yields that you find in crypto, they don't just come for free. It's not like they don't come without a major sort of the existential risk of regulatory action. Um, I, I do think that Bitcoin is in a different bucket when it comes to Bitcoin and then the rest of crypto markets. And I, I think at this point, I mean, it's, it's going to be different depending on what country you're in, right, where you are. But I, I think in the United States, at least, um, you know, where I'm based out of, it's more or less... On its way to being completely accepted, uh, but what they want to do is ultimately be able to make their fair share off of it. So they want to be able to get it under control. They want to regulate it. Um, you know, they, what makes crypto so attractive to a lot of people in third world countries might not make it attractive to regulators in the United States. The fact that you could sort of freely transmit money and, and even though it's on a public ledger, it, it you're you're in a position actually where Crypto is much more, um, it, you know, it's it's indelible, but you have so many people that are regulators that are kind of dinosaurs at this point. They're very old and they don't understand technology, period. So, yeah, you're in it. You're in it. It is a difficult place to be because you do have people that are in these regulatory bodies that don't understand the technology. Um, they're incentivized in a lot of cases to make sure that not too much changes depending on who who's putting money in their pocket. So I get it.
0: Um,
1: I don't think, uh, you know, just me personally. But I again, I don't bet the farm on it. I'm not like sitting with my entire life savings in Bitcoin. Um, the risk absolutely does exist. There's a bunch of risks, though. You know, if you think, for example, yeah. of what we take for granted is the fact that Bitcoin has never been hacked. But what happens when, you know, the whole and this is beyond my wheelhouse, so I don't want to sound too ignorant talking about it. But the idea of quantum computing, you know, if, if, if things are always safe enough until they're not. Right. And you never see, like, sort of the black swan coming. Maybe some people in corners of the internet do. But it's always what you don't don't see coming that ends up taking you out. Um, so all those risks exist, absolutely. And I think that's, you know, I've always tried to approach it like, I get it. I, I love it, the narrative. Um, but at the end of the day,
5: like, cash to me is king. As long as ca- it, the The reason I think this is so critical right now is because... Obviously, BTC was born in an equity boom market. That's that's all it's known. It's, yeah. ne- it's never see, it's never experienced anything different. And we've obviously we've had a, a parabolic move in the last twenty months. You have equities which are overvalued, and they're at a point when you have this you know macro environment that we're living in at the minute, and it can liquidity can can be pulled at the drop of a hat. And if it's pulled and equities tumble, BTC, in my opinion, is going to follow suit. Oh yeah, and and that's really when the test will be made for it and whether it's going to hold up or not going to hold up. But the the thing that concerns that has concerned me most, so I originally get in in the BTC and ETH probably about twenty months ago, um, and I pretty much held the whole way up. Um, I bought in it at pretty good levels. It was around the summer of 2020, and I'd sold maybe over the last three weeks with my full spot allocation. Uh, but the reason for it primarily was the, the state of the equity market right now. That's what concerns me, and that's what concerns me about about crypto. Yeah, I get it. I absolutely get it. I mean, contagion is
1: a real thing. You know, we saw, for example, what should have been you know, going back to March 2020, April 2020. What should have been safe during a time of crisis, gold was absolutely nuked because you know met funds portfolio managers, anyone who needed to free up margin to protect their more value positions, valuable positions um, sold their gold right to free up cash so in any period of contagion, bitcoin is absolutely would absolutely get just completely walloped. Um, I do think that it would When markets bounce, I think Bitcoin would continue to bounce harder than everything else. But the question is, like, you know, we might be talking about I'm under the impression that it's just it's higher beta. And I like that it has a narrative, but I think it's an awesome trading vehicle. Um, And I think the fact that it has such large ranges and a high ATR and, you know, it's got a good enough liquidity profile. I think that makes it very attractive to trade. But that being said, like the whole idea of it continuing up long term, um, I think at this point, because it is correlated to global markets it's all of whether or not the that equities continue to move up i think equities move up you give a green light to risk assets i think if equities don't then you you know you, they suffer the way that they always do and the, the trouble is right now you know if we talk about equities what we're what we're talking about is um a, a, like five stocks right and apple right now is basically holding up the s&p so yes it's it's a very listen i've been in cash since um i got out of almost all of my positions in the market, right around 60K. And there's, there's the criteria that I have to get back and get involved with a meaningful amount of money. And I'm, you know, I'm someone who trades, right? I, I trade intraday, but I'm talking about for me to deploy capital and, and to be very long um, spot-wise. It's probably around that level again. We need to, I would rather buy higher and say, ah, oh, that's the cost of doing yeah. business because at this point, the probability of it continuing is much higher than be like, ah, oh, I got involved here. Because it's just not the, it's not as certain to me, or I'd rather get involved at the worst possible locations where so many people are are going to get offsides. And this is not just blindly buying, but I think that if we hit 30 K again, I think so many people are going to get offsides thinking it's going to 5
5: K that we get just a big range of forms. Um, but there's... Yeah, so I, 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 I'd I agree with that as well. I mean, I'd probably say for me to jump jump back in again with spot, I'd need to be looking certainly a meaningful close above 55k, but really more comfortable around 60k, and yeah. i jump, jump back in the market again. Um I'm not so sure if I'd be prepared to jump in, nor I'd be more of a... Yeah, more of a, a position swing trader, but just just to, just a global markets at the minute—they just frighten me. So, I've just stepped aside. Um, but listen, th- I'm not going to take up too much more time. Um, thanks for for letting me speak. Oh, it's a pleasure, um, Mark. Yeah, so uh, I'll let some other callers
0: jump on. Appreciate thanks, it. Man. Cheers, man. Good talking to you. So this is working out decently so far, right? And I say decently
1: because I try to be as smooth as possible. we'll have to uh and that just ultimately comes down to me operating the app <laughs> as best as possible but the the program, the platform rather, is very smooth. I haven't had any kind of connectivity problems. guys sound
0: clear which is which is awesome. Does anyone else want to hop in? I think uh, so far we're those of us that have spoken
1: are more or less in the same boat. Um, and like i said you know my criteria for getting re-involved is um it's uh i i'm going to require a lot of evidence by the market to to put my money back in in
0: in terms of longer term
1: positions um this is the point where you know i started aggressively trading crypto um not getting involved but aggressively trading crypto primarily back in 2017 Uh, and i remember 2018 and the benefit of me coming from trading traditional markets uh, is I had seen plenty of charts, specifically if you, know, if you think of like penny stocks, which I didn't really have any interest in trading, but had seen so many charts of penny stocks and low floats and low caps that had done the same thing, um, moved up vertically and then just blown off. And people buy the entire way down, uh, expecting to be you know part of the turnaround. So I think the market is showing what I would say is the adequate amount of evidence right now for me to at least assume that we're going to spend a lot of time not trending. Um, And there will be great trending opportunities when you zoom in, right? It's sort of, you know, market is very fractal in that regard. So, yes, the market is trending in the intraday or, yes, we have a trend throughout the week. But what I'm talking about is the larger sort of macro trend. Uh, the secular trend is still intact, right? If we look at Bitcoin, it's it's growing logarithmically. You know, secular trend for with the S and P still intact. But I think it'd be kind of silly to say like what happens over a six month period is worth sort of looking over. You know, I know that I do my best to trade and to be out of the market at the periods when you should be out. Now you have people that will say, you know, buying and holding is going to outperform trading. All right, well that is going to be the case for a majority of people. But if you are you know, if you're a trader, if you are intent on trying to be a trader, you know the the purpose is so that you are hopefully capturing uh, the bulk of what the market is returning and trying to avoid the periods that suck. Right? And, and just trying to keep it frank, right? I don't want to be involved in the market when it's choppy. If the market is choppy, I want to be trading it. At, you know, trading it within a twenty four hour period. Uh, it's one thing that I've um, realized. And and you know, again, this is I I'm hosting these rooms as a trader, but as someone who has been you know have had multiple experiences in life um has obviously tried to um be a generalist to some degree because I think the crypto market really is kind of like a boot camp for market generalists, so you know it pays to not only trade the low time frames in in crypto you you want to be able to have some kind of system that allows you to take advantage of those longer sort of meaty moves um but what I've noticed is, and you'll notice this too, and for any of you guys who are actively trading, you have to trade a system or an approach uh, to markets that is complementary uh, or conducive to the lifestyle you're trying to live or that you can live. Um, you're willing to bear, even at some cases, the best way I, put it, I could put it. Because I I had gotten to a point in the last year where the, the mar- a bull market is exhausting. Uh, it might sound ridiculous to say like, ah, I would embrace a period of time where the market just didn't trend um, because the bull market is absolutely exhausting. One, you never feel like you're doing enough. Um, and two, there's, there's something always going on and it's sort of like a, a shiny object to a raccoon or a squirrel, right? Your, your attention is always being yanked somewhere. It's not healthy. It's the best way I could put it. Um, it, it absolutely takes a toll on, on, on your body, on your brain, uh, specifically your sleep. Um, And if you're trying to be an optimal performer in anything, right, whether it's any facet of life, any vocation, whether you're trading, whether you're playing the violin, whether you are trying to be the best, uh, you know, sculptor, it doesn't matter. Your time asleep, your time away from that is almost as important as your time in it and how you use that, how you uh, take care of yourself in that period away from the market. And what I found is, God, I I couldn't uh, I would get in a position that I was very confident in, or it'd be, you know, we're rip roaring period of the bull market and I'm in positions that I'm very confident in, but I just found that no matter how confident I was in, in them, uh, and it's not like I'm someone who's overly exposed. I have a very conservative approach to positioning. Um, I, I'd say it partly, partially because I have the luxury to do that. I've kind of gotten to a certain point capital wise, but I would still wake up um, every half an hour and, and check the market. For no reason. And then I say, ah, you know, what? I don't want to do that. I'll just set an alert. And the alert will wake me up so that I could attempt to go to bed. Um, and I just found that this was way too much. And and if anything, that's where your statistics come into play. Because what I would ultimately see is uh, there are periods of the time where I actually perform best in the market. And if we're being honest, some of them are not even during periods where I would be awake. Right. You know, I could break down and say that my best days in the market are Tuesdays and Fridays. And I know that because that's something that I have backed. Uh, it's evidence-based. It's not me just purely making that statement based off of, you know, anecdote. The plural of anecdote is not data. Um, so, you know, I, again, uh, I think the whole point, I like I said, guys, what you'll learn is that I could speak in lipses and talk so much I could end up losing my point, which I might just have done. But um, if anyone wants to call in, comment, ask questions, I want these to be as open as possible because one of the reasons why I really wanted to do this was because, um, you know, I was a trader before I was popular on Twitter. Um, And it is – it's a weird feeling to have so many people follow me. And I know there are people with plenty of other followers. You know, I'm approaching 100,000 followers now. And um, uh, me in real life is a person that wants to give everybody the time of day. Like I'm the guy who if you're the mailman, you don't want to be the mailman because I'm going to try to talk to you when you come up to my house, you know, uh, and that's who I am as a person. So I have so many people that reach out to me in direct message and it's, it's actually, it's overwhelming, right? It's, it's not feasible for someone to be able to attend to that level of, of feedback or, um, you know, just attention. And I think one of the things that would apply to this is, is the Dunbar limit, I believe, which I think might be around two hundred and fifty-six, and that's that is, I think, the amount of people that you could have in a group where it could function as a as a sort of cohesive group. Um, I'm not sure how that applies to societies or you know tribes or what have you, but as you can imagine, with a certain amount of followers, once you break a certain threshold, it, it's it's very difficult to be able to to attend to people's individual needs and questions. So I think this is great because what it says is, okay, I'm giving, now I'm giving this free period of time. It's a window of time that I'll be available and absolutely participate. Um, because this is a time when I'm probably going to talk too much. <laughs> and if anything, uh, you don't all have access to my direct messages. So
0: this is the benefit, you know, the benefit of this is, is more or less transparency. So let me uh, take Andy again. What's up,
4: bud? Yeah, What's thanks up, for uh, taking my uh, question. So I just want to ask, like, what do you uh, recommend or uh, what do you suggest for someone that's uh, new to trading? Like, you, I always someone gave me the advice of, you know, just get a TradingView account, start learning like, the free contents online, start playing around with some charts. Like, what do, what do you recommend?
1: So here's what I recommend. And I, I tell this to everybody as, you know, a long time ago, I... Uh, myself and, and my partner, Josh Rager, were the co-founders of Blockroots. So a while ago we founded a Roots. And one of the reasons was I had a lot of people asking me to put something together to help them. So we ended up putting a course together, um, charging for it. A lot of people just are part of it now for free. I ended up making a lot of people free. Uh, when people get involved, I say, don't pay for anything there. You know, Google is your friend. Um, there is so much free content. The trouble is filtering out the signal from the noise, but You're going to see the same distribution that you see in every facet of life, right? There's a lot of garbage, and you got to sort of search for the needle in the haystack and and find the good stuff. And that's where it it pays to have people that you could talk to that can hopefully give you a little bit more of a leg up in terms of what direction you should take. There's a bunch of people that I would be willing to say, you know, on Twitter are worth worth following, uh, looking into their content. Um, You know, CryptoCred is one of them. He put out a bunch of great free material on YouTube. You know, I do live streams, but I can't say that I do them consistently enough to say that it is, you know, I could say like, oh, you should watch me every Friday. Um, I, I just have to be honest, like I'm not consistent enough. I want to do it more. You know, it's one of the luxuries of of having, oh, you know, been working for myself for a really long time because I have the time to, it's just, again, it's something called like Zoom fatigue. And I think it applies to live streams as well. You just get so tired of talking to nobody, just talking to the screen. Um, It's a bunch of free content. The one thing that I would say that traders should learn about from an academic standpoint is how markets work at a base level. Learn how markets work, how the order book works, what market microstructure is, not just what, you know, how a candlestick is formed, but literally what is responsible for price moving from point A to point B. So I think you have to take, you know, there are people that say like books are not useful for trading. And I think that that's complete horseshit. the there's a saying that you can see further when you stand on the shoulders of giants. The benefit of reading books since the beginning of time is that you're literally able to download from someone's experience. It's like, ah, oh, I'm reading this book on, uh, you know, how to sail. Well, they've gone through all these shitty experiences, so let me try to avoid that. Right? Whether you're reading nonfiction or even fiction, it doesn't matter. You're, you're, you're gaining something and gleaning something from, from literature. So I think that reading about trading, it, it, it is very useful, but it, it doesn't make up for, obviously, the screen time you have to develop upon so what i would say what, what's your what's your top three book oh my god I, I put out a um a book list uh this week on twitter because everyone's asking what's your favorite book what's on your bookshelf because on one of on my live stream you can see part of my bookshelf that just has my trading books uh books on markets whether it's fiction non-fiction um i'd say the top and this book i've read recently and this means a lot because um this is by a guy I'm friends with on Twitter too. He's a very well-known trader. His name is Brent Donnelly. He wrote a book called Alpha Trader. So that is one of the best books summing up sort of everything. Now, if you're a new person, you know, new trader, you're going to read that book, and there's going to be a lot of stuff that you you're probably going to have to have like a trading dictionary or glossary next to you to understand it. You know, there is a glossary in it, so it obviously might hurt how you read because you'll go back and forth trying to understand what word he's using or what. What have you? But it's one of the best sort of 360-degree uh, trading books I could think of. And then another one is not even a trading book; it's a book on just thinking um, and human behavior. And that's Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. Um, has nothing directly to do with trading, but has everything to do with decision making. And one of the things that you're going to have to deal with as a trader and an investor in, in life in in general, uh, and I make fun of my dad because he has plenty of them, is your cognitive biases. So this book is it's nothing to do with trading, but after you read it, you'll be like, oh my God, I totally get it. Um, and then another book, which is, every time I say it, it it's hard for me to, there's so many books, right? I'll, I'll give you, reach out to me on Twitter, DM me, I'll give you the whole list. But you just sp- spin a top after you read these top three and then read them randomly. The other book that I think is great um, is called... And it sounds ridiculous. It sounds like snake oil. Uh, trade your way to financial freedom. And that sounds like something that you would see in like the self-help book aisle that you would avoid if you're trying to trade. It sounds ridiculous, right? It sounds snake oily, like I said, like it's a salesman garbage book. Trade your way to financial freedom. Like I'm going to what? Take a thousand dollars and turn it into a million? I don't think so, right? Maybe in crypto. But the point is, it's not. My dog is chewing a tennis ball. Sorry. Um, if you hear squeaking in the background, uh, it goes over everything that you need to know at a base level for risk management and again it sounds silly trade your way to financial freedom but absolutely pick up that book it's a very old book um who's then, that from that's from van thorpe or van tharp I'll, do me a favor on twitter send me a direct message and i'll i'll give you this whole list and i'll circle the ones i think you should start with and then what you could do is for the rest of them you know Get some money on the side. You go on Amazon and you buy a used book, and you have something to read for any day. And whether it's um, like Liar's Poker or the um, the Great Story of Narend- uh, Navinder Singh Sarau, the Flash Crash book, uh, or Market Wizards, there's plenty of great trading literature. But what I will say to wrap that up is, nothing beats taking out. And this is going to sound contradictory to what you hear from people who are who, who trade, taking out the one minute chart. Understanding where the important major contextual levels are on the chart, taking something like agar. So have you heard of agar? AGGR is uh, it's uh, uh, aggregated tape. Taking that out and watching how price responds on the low timeframes, how price sweeps a level, how absorption occurs, how a breakout occurs. Watching this repetitively, not with just not watching it, just kind of sitting there and zoning out, but with intent. To see, okay, this is, we're at a significant level. I want to see how buyers, what you're looking at ultimately uh, on a chart, right? In a dom, on a tape, in a market is an auction process, right? Are buyers eager to buy at this level? Is the market interested in this level? When we move down here, is the market suddenly interest is dropping? Volume is slowing. You know, the tape is slowing, right? Sellers are no longer interested in selling this low. At a base level, you have to understand these mechanics. And I think watching a low time frame chart, looking at a tape, which is your market orders coming through. It's one of the best things you could do in the beginning. But when you're starting trading and you're talking to people, and usually it's people who are also learning how to trade themselves because they just read a book saying this, they'll say, don't look at the low time frames. And that's absolute bullshit. Because if you're trading, coming from a professional trading background, trading prop, you're not really looking at anything with a bunch of indicators on it. You're literally just looking at a depth of market. You're looking at the DOM. You know, I've shared pictures of my DOM before. You're looking at the bids that are stacked, the offers that are stacked, and the orders that are coming through, and how the market is adjusting around certain levels. Again, I'm sure that was pretty long-winded. You asked for some books, um, but there are plenty of free resources, and all you have to do is spend some time, like I said, on a rainy day, bus out, Google, hit me up in my DMs, and I'll I'll send you in the right direction. Um, but don't pay for anything yet. There are people that do sell services that are absolutely would be worth paying for. Um, But I would say, stay away from it for as long as possible. And this is someone, I am someone who literally can charge somebody to take a course that has, people have taken my trading course and they have gone on to work at prop shops. Uh, But I am literally telling you, do not sign up for my course because there are so many free things that you could take advantage of without having to spend a dime. You'll trust me, the money that you'll spend will be the tuition that you spend from losing money in the market as you're learning how to trade. that's the best way i could put it you're already spending enough money doing that gaining the experience no use in paying someone to you know have them teach you make sense
0: i don't know if you're great thank you okay no problem buddy francesco what's up bud hey what's up buddy Hey Ryan, um, now I'm
3: able to talk. So um, I have a question as I'm making NFTs um, and I know that, um, can you consider what happens with NFTs like an auction? It is an auction, but can can you apply some of the concepts that I've learned from block roots to NFTs? Like I've seen a firehouse for NFTs and things like that, that could be like an aggregator. Yeah, 100 percent. NFTs
1: are an option. And if anything, the NFT market is more like how markets worked pre-decimalization. So a lot of people who are new to trading don't realize this, but for a while, stocks didn't trade with decimal points. (laughs) There were very wide bid-ask spreads. There were very wide, um, best way I can put it, very wide bid-ask spreads, very uh, lumpy. Uh, distributions of prices. There wasn't the same, you know, one cent spread between, uh, between pairs, uh, as you'll see um, in, in traditional markets, definitely not in crypto. Um, But uh, yeah, they absolutely trade like stocks do pre decimalization. Um, Same sort of auction process, but I think that it is, it is different because it's not the same sort of exchange format. So you do have to take that in consideration. Uh, And I do think that also, NFTs are so sort of, not so sort of, sounds um, stupid, but they are, uh, they're nascent, right? So I don't know if you could strictly apply the same, um, you know, sort of framework that you do from auction market theory to NFTs, but I think you could probably loosely apply it or just the, the concepts around it. Uh, I, I have a whole opinion on NFTs right now and sort of where they're at. And I think that they are kind of, you know, absolutely uh transformation now my so my dog dropped the ball to go after a cricket um they are uh you know it's an incredible it's incredible technology it'll transform um a lot of different industries especially for artists uh but i do think they are going through their first hype cycle the same way that like crypto did in 2017 uh the same way that DeFi did this past summer and in the beginning of a hype cycle People get just that. They get really hyped up for what's coming. This is changing the world. But the hype moves a lot faster than developers, right? The hype moves a lot faster than any of the infrastructure. Uh, There's always so much to be smoothed out. Best intentions, but a really long time behind it. So what happens is obviously the hype dies out. Um, You know, for example, go back to 2017, a lot of these ICOs promising to change the world. I remember like, it's like ICOs for like dog, you know, like, Dog food on the blockchain, like really silly, dumb things, just because a lot of companies wanted to suddenly attach themselves to
0: the hype and ride that uh, benefit from that, uh, the momentum that was there. But once the hype, the hype reaching as fast. So with NFTs, it's it's kind of different because you're seeing companies, major companies
1: adopt NFTs. Uh, but I think that it's going to go through kind of a, a bear market period. That's just my opinion. Best time for builders um so you know you with digiweed this is you know you're you you started at a good time i think because what it allows you to do is be more focused about building your brand building a product versus trying to do that while like the
3: earth is moving underneath of you right yeah i really think that also the ability to communicate your nft obviously values it and i think that Lately, we've been seeing more groups that actually have a lot of marketing in them actually make it rather than those small projects that maybe were the first NFT in Solana and maybe they weren't the best NFT, right? Like, I do feel like more and more people are actually trying to focus on, can I use this NFT somewhere? And like, I play a video game with this NFT. Can I get an Oculus with this NFT? And stuff like that, Um, which I'm actually working for, right? I feel like if I I put an NFT... That doesn't have any type of you know, use.
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: People are, are just gonna freaking not use it for nothing. And, and and when people discover, hey, I can get on on Bangas Metaverse, which is a beautiful cannabis lounge, hang out with my friends in VR and AR and computer, right? And I can augment that reality perception uh, with all these technologies for for taste, for smell, for haptic. I don't know if you try the haptic thing, but when I tried it, it blew my mind. I was like, I gotta get on.
1: No, I, I have to uh, experiment with more NFTs because I, you know, I had moon cats. I, I, I got involved, like, not nearly as much as anyone else. I missed out on a lot of the, uh, like, the run-up period. I, I didn't, I'll put it this way. I didn't make money off of NFTs. Like, I have, what I ultimately did um, was just buy things I liked. Uh, and I actually don't want to sell them, period. Now, Like, I own superlatives, a bunch of them. I get offers every day that blow my mind. I'm like, wow, these are still... These offers are still relatively the same. I just, I like the art. I don't want to get rid of it. Um, Same thing with um, the uh, wandering dog that I've been sharing. I'm like, that warms my heart to see these pictures. I love them. You know, I love that. There's a lot of NFTs though that came out that were just absolutely garbage, right? Just like who could scribble the fastest series of 1000 images together and then mark them up. And then you have Twitter influencers that are selling absolutely mindless things and they're just using their exposure to to basically take advantage of a hype cycle. Um you, NFTs with utility though, I think like you said that that's where things shift. And one thing that I could I could uh speak on behalf of and, and it's one that I got involved in um and, and Dave got me involved in and you know Dave uh Speedwagon um is basis markets where owning the NFT and uh, guys just to be as upfront as possible i have no affiliation with basis markets i don't get anything from this I, i own the nft thankfully to a friend um but having the nft gives you access to the platform that aggregates all these basis trades that exist that are delta neutral so i log onto the platform with my phantom wallet with this nft and then i get to see all of the trades that are compiled that are that are directionally agnostic right they're plays on funding, their basis trades, they're basically as risk-free as you can get, uh, and they don't rely on market direction, right? They're, they're, they're delta neutral. But the NFT is what gives you access to the platform. So I think that that's a great concept, the idea that it's kind of like your ticket to admission, right?
3: Mm-hmm. And, and
1: this, is, this yeah. is what happens. Like Kobe wrote a great thread today about if we're going through a bear market period. I think what you could expect in a uh, market that is young is everything will be different moving forward versus extrapolating on what's occurred in the past to happen precisely. So now that crypto is more mainstream, bear markets will be different. You know, there, I don't think you're going to go through a multi-year bear market. I think it's like a, a month where you should just take time off and spend time with your family, You know, a couple months, three months, whatever. Don't quote me. But um, what he said was like, when we get to this point where the market is taking a breather, if your project doesn't have any substance to it, it's going to die fast, right? And even if it's young and has best intentions a couple months ago, it's going to die in the vine. Like the, if it doesn't have substance, if it doesn't satisfy a need that, that, I mean, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, regardless of whether you're in crypto or not, you want to find a problem. You want to find something that you can help someone else do better or fulfill something that is currently, you know, that has no solution. Uh, and if you don't have that or don't have the, um, you don't have i guess the intestinal fortitude to stick through doing you know pursuing that when prices are going down you're you're like i said you're just gonna drift off to nothingness and i think a lot of the uh nfts a lot of the newer crap that's on avalanche a lot you know small caps that just ran up recently they're all gonna die right they're gonna die until they pump again that's inevitably what would probably happen but um you know, you. What you said is is the best way to put it. Is it has to have utility. Things have to be, they have to actually have some kind of fundamental value at this point.
3: If they don't, then they don't survive in the future. It's right. very simple. Um, there's no way around it because what what else are you going to do with that? NFT? Right. You know, if you have a, a picture that doesn't, you cannot use it for any type of membership, any type of community. Um, in my case, for example, I can. With the proceeds of the NFTs, I can go buy a dispensary license and open a digital dispensary, right? You know, and ventilate it. What like have brand names of what I have? For example, as an NFT, make it a reality type of thing. And right. You know that's why I chose cannabis uh, because the experience of cannabis is like different. You know. Uh, but there's another yeah. thing I wanted to ask you about the crypto market right now and I don't know if I can if, if I can do that maybe there's other people who want to call no go ahead and ask we're gonna um, I'm gonna wrap it up probably in 10-15 minutes but go ahead and ask there'll be plenty of these so I know you say that there's uh, you, you need a lot of time uh, in the market to be able to understand uh, is there any way that um, you know I could personally improve. I feel like, for example, ever since I've learned how to manage risk more accordingly, I've been, you know, not losing trades. But I currently sit on cash as well. Yeah. Um. What, what do you think that uh, I could do for a person who's in my position, right? Who has a hundred thousand, to like, how how is is it possible to go from a hundred thousand to a million, or is it something sure. that is not feasible?
1: Of, of course, it is. It's possible to go from 100,000 to 10 million, right? But it's also possible to go from 100,000 to 20,000, right? So, you know, it depends on who's manning the controls. Um, if you are, you know, for, I mean, this bull market has been crazy. Every single, as you can imagine, I've been a trader, right? So every single person that knows me, that is seeing crypto on TV and seeing how well everybody is doing is suddenly like, dude, I want to trade. I've had friends that have literally quit their jobs uh, because they did well the last couple of months and they're now a trader. Um, you know, my, my brother, for example, really wants to just get uh, poor expectations in the beginning. What if you are, you know, and this is not talking to you cause I already know you I've seen how you trade and, and your account growth so far uh, you just have to treat it like a business. And the, tough thing to do in the crypto market especially, like I used to trade crude oil. I was never trading crude oil intraday, going to bed thinking, oh my God, what happens if tomorrow's the day crude oil goes up 3x, right? But when you're trading crypto, you are balancing that romantic narrative always because you're, if you're on crypto Twitter especially, you're constantly surrounded with people with these really lofty ideas for what the space is going to turn into. So it's very difficult to sort of differentiate those, you know, be able to, excuse me, compartmentalize that as a trader. If you want to just trade and grow your account, and this is really something you want to do, you have to be able to divorce yourself from that type of thinking to begin with. You have to really just kind of be um, almost very sociopathic about it. (laughs) No emotion whatsoever. And and these things are like really easy things to say, but one thing to actually be able to practice it. You have to get to the point where one – especially for low-time-frame traders, and you could grow $100,000, and trust me, it could be done. I don't want to say any kind of specific value because I don't want to inspire anyone to turn up the leverage. But, yeah, you could. I know people that have turned a lot less into a lot more, right, talking eight figures plus uh, in a short amount of time. But you have to treat your trading like a business, which means you have to record your trading. You have to be able to isolate, again, specific problems that you consistently have. What do you consistently do well? What do you consistently do poorly? When is the best time for you to be in the market? When is the best time for you to be outside of the market, right? You have to have some kind of statistically based approach, Um, because what you're going to realize, which is one thing that you have to realize, excuse me, not what you're going to, but you have to realize for everybody, is that the next trade, you have to get to a point where you realize the next trade doesn't matter at all. Um, If you're trying to trade as a business, right, the next trade doesn't matter. It is the aggregation of the next 500 trades that matter, right? And that's why I always go back to baseball because, yeah, you might have a batter at the plate at some point that maybe that one time he's at bat makes a big fucking difference. Excuse my language. I don't even know if Colin allows for that. Um, Maybe it does because it's the World Series Game Seven and he is the last batter, you know, with two men out, right? And bases are loaded. Okay, that at bat makes a makes a big difference. But throughout his entire season. He's just trying to hit singles, right? He's not thinking that any one at bat's going to change his life. And that's, if you could get to that mentality as fast as possible and realize that this is just a job. And that's, and that's another thing. Um, trading gets, like, romanticized and glorified like it's not a job. Yeah, for everybody that I know that trades and makes some money and then says they're retired, I'm a retired trader. What are you talking about? It's a job. The moment you stop treating it like a job and start taking it seriously, Is a moment that, you know, you start thinking that you're smarter than the market and you give it back. Um, So if you take it and and this is again, this gets to uh, something that I I mentioned quite frequently. And I think a lot of people are left scratching their heads. One of the best things you could do if you want to be a trader and understand what it's like to literally just trade for a living and go in day in and day out and have no real emotional attachment to these things is watch the movie Jiro Dreams of Sushi to see what it's like to have a sense of purpose from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, not be winging anything, you know? You are very strict, very disciplined, um, extremely conscientious, and, and that's it. Every single day, day in and day out, you're not thinking about Bitcoin at 100K, you're not thinking about Bitcoin at 20K, you're literally saying, these are my levels for the day, These are where buyers have been interested recently. These are where sellers have been interested recently. I'm gonna stay as sort of dialed into that area as possible. And you know, this is becoming a more dynamic machine as the market matures. Yeah, now you have to take into consideration larger macro details that you normally didn't have to. This used to be a much easier poker table to play at. Now it's only slightly more different, difficult, but it still is the easiest market to trade. As long as you can literally though, the most, you know, for people that are losing. And they're like, oh, I really want to do this, but I, I, I'm not doing well. I'm like, well, you're, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You're either going to quit, and you should, or you're going to get so tired of losing money that you wake up and you're like, I'm done with this. I don't want to lose money anymore. Let me figure out how to do this right, and I'm never going to do what's put me in a bad position in the past before. And I guess the best way I could put that, and i said this plenty of times, is like you kind of have to have the approach that in, like a recovering addict would Right? I'm sick of tired of being sick and tired. Well, I'm sick and tired of losing money in these dumb ways. I'm sick and tired of chasing breakouts. I'm sick and tired of taking trades before I know that they're really set up. Right? Oh, I think it's going to get away from me. It's not. There's always a trade. Always a trade. There's always an opportunity coming up. And I can't tell you how many times I actually, you know, most people don't realize how many times I trade during the day. But that being said, they also don't realize there are times where it would just go a couple days. I'm like, oh, I haven't even taken a trade in the last couple of days because I can't bring myself to. I don't see it. There's, there's nothing there for me right now. I'm not gonna force anything. I know that the market's not going anywhere. Yeah, we have like uh, a uh, you know big hole to do right now across all markets. But 12 months from now, like this will be water under the bridge, and it's just it'll be the same market that's always been there, going up and down,
3: and that's it. So I'm sure that was a lot, but
0: you know me, banger.
3: Thank you, Ryan. I agree with everything you've had to say. And uh, the only way that I actually brought myself up is exactly doing what you said. Totally having a purpose, being committed to the chart, and committed to respecting... I feel like my wallet. I have a friend who has uh, a problem with liquidating after liquidating. He's liquidated a hundred times, you know? And I've seen that. And I, I haven't really... I've liquidated, I think, four or five times. Because I've always played defensive, you know, it's all I got. So uh, I can only lose so much um, and keep winning overall. Yeah, cut out first, uh, and thank you. It's really good, man. Oh, I didn't know was... Where, where, where. was I cut out? Oh no, I got you.
1: I heard the rest of it now. I was just gonna tie it in, like tie it in and say one of the best things you could do is is actually and they have a bunch of websites. But one of the best ones is Coin Market Man. Journal your trading on a platform where you could see your equity curve, because that'll be the slap in the face you need. And a lot of good traders end up trading around their equity curve. You know, they see that their equity curve, you know, what you'll get to a point of is like, like myself, you'll, your equity curve will look so nice. You don't want to f- You've worked your ass off. Let's say you're looking at a two year, three year equity curve. And you're like, I made that. That's me. That is literally the culmination of all my efforts and it's it's going up and to the right and and you begin to realize like one there's a, there's a, only a string amount of losses I'm willing to take, and two like I don't want to ruin this thing because returns are you know, excuse me um returns are uh you have to think about cumulative returns and not, and not and geometric returns
0: if you wipe your account down by fifty percent like that takes a lot of work to get it back up so all right, I think I'm going to wrap it up in a sec, guys. I don't know if anyone wants to hop in. What I meant was uh, arithmetic versus geometric returns. If I lost you guys for that in a second. Or for a second, excuse me. All right. Um, all right. Cubone.
2: Hey, uh, yeah, so nothing else to add. Just wanted to say thanks, man. This has been really helpful. Um, Yeah, just closed out some trades for the day. And uh, yeah, um, you've definitely been one of the handful of people on crypto Twitter who's been able to uh, consistently give out really solid alpha. So yeah, credit where it's due, man. Just really appreciate it. I really appreciate that, man.
1: And it's been a pleasure for me guys. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to try to do, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm going to do aim for at least two of these a week. Uh, and like I said, they will be open format. So, I mean, we could get really, uh, all over the place, I'm sure. Um, but nothing is really out of question. It gets boring. Just talking about markets sometimes, um, there's a lot going on. So like I said, nothing is out of question, uh, unless it's too controversial. And if it's too controversial for Twitter, it's probably too controversial for Colin. um, but, yeah, I'm going to wrap it up. I just want to thank you guys for uh, for tuning in. Um, I will I'll be more consistent with when I do these. So I ideally want to stick to somewhat of a schedule. But in the beginning for, let's say, like the first month, um, I'm going to be more or less testing the waters because I don't want to get into the habit of um, – You know, I try to to follow a routine, and I think that's one of the pieces of advice I could give to everyone as well. Is like if you want to trade, you should have a pretty strict routine. Like you are showing up to work every day, take care of yourself, sleep well, yada yada yada. You know, I've heard it enough. Um, But I, I don't want to just make these on my schedule because then you know, might be able to cater to more people if we have a later one versus an earlier one. So in the beginning, I will uh, I'll do them sort of all over the place. Um, Obviously, I'm based out of New York, so can't be when I'm sleeping, but um, I'll uh, sort of test the waters and see what times are best. And then I'll split it from there. So that, you know, if you're based in Europe, then I have a time slot for you. And if you're based in the United States and California, you know, I have a time slot for you and, and hopefully this um, will be something that everyone can enjoy. So thank you very much again, guys. This is, I, you know, this is going to be recorded, but I don't know how long it takes to process. So if anyone is kind of just rolling in right now, um, it might take some, some time before it is uh, archived and put up to, to listen to. But thank you guys again for stopping in. And uh, since today is Friday, I wish you guys all a fantastic weekend. Um, take some time yourself. That's the one benefit of crypto being more mainstream now is market makers, liquidity pulled. Weekends are a little bit more volatile sometimes because of that, but it is nice to have a normal sort of five-day work week, right? Until
0: Sunday evening when futures open. Uh, but that's all, guys. Have a good one. Thanks for stopping in. Till next time.